Vernon, Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings, or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Vernonheating.com. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi everyone and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. It is me, Matt, once again. I hope you're all well. Uh, We've got another week full of telly highlights to discuss. Joining me today, we've only got the one uh, guest today, but what a guest. Back after over a year, it's Mr Will Barber-Taylor. How are you, Will? I'm fine, thanks, Matt. It's great to be back after over a year and also great to be back on the podcast when um, Luke's not going to make a joke about my name, which seems to be a, a regular, a regular feature. You've been in therapy. You're, yeah. you, you know, we, I think we've crossed a bridge with that, and we've mentioned it several times now. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think we've got it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Okey this could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. So very involved in politics, aren't you? If if people don't know, you, you know, you've got a podcast and all of that and... At the moment, lots of things to talk about. Yeah, a hell of a lot of things to talk about. Lots of by-elections and, and various scandals and things like that. So keeping very busy um, on that front, but really delighted to be able to to come back onto the, the podcast. And with most of the shows we're going to be discussing this week away from kind of like a great yeah. deal of, of politics, really. Yeah. What do you make of like the new trend of um, sitting MPs having their own like talk shows and... And do you do you ever watch those GB News Talk TV type? Uh, yeah, I've, every so often I tune in. It's a bit of a weird experience though, um, especially when they're interviewing other like uh, sitting MPs as well. And, and it's and Tory MPs. I should say it's Tory MPs mainly. Yeah, yeah. I can't think yeah. of a, like, a Labour MP or a. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think um, David Lamy does sometimes do uh, a show on LBC. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, generally, with the like the talk TV and uh, GB News, it's yeah, it's Conservative MPs uh, talking a lot of uh, a lot of very interesting stuff, featuring uh, some really unusual topics at times. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, certainly something that kind of like is interesting from a TV watching perspective to see that kind of like crossing of a boundary between politics and and almost verging into like kind of reality TV. Mm-hmm. Um, area yeah it's uh it's a uh, bit unusual have you watched any of lee anderson's real talk because that's mm-hmm. the one yes, <laughs> guilty pleasure viewing for me i had to sort of wean myself off it a little bit that's just a bizarre program and the people he has on that as like guests are people like he's dug up from yeah like, that, like diddy david hamilton and yeah. 
uh, David Van Day, um, the guy who did the voices on Spitting Image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's a bizarre program. And I have watched few episodes i watched the first episode of the nadine doris show as well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was a that was a, a roller coaster i think <laughs> not just for the viewers but for nadine herself i think um she's often like four i often think she's like four or five wines deep before she starts <laughs> very possibly so but you know i mean I don't know her very well, so I would like to comment no. on how. Although many not words. a sitting MP anymore, so no longer a sitting no, MP. No, no so. so she's allowed. Yeah, she's allowed. <laughs> she's all right. Although she did go into the jungle like ten years ago, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> definitely uh, an early convert to the MPs going on uh, reality TV or, or going on TV. Bit of a trailblazer, really, yeah. Nadine, in, in that respect. <laughs> Well, let's have a, just a t- quick talk then as we're on it about your podcast, Will, if you want to plug that. what's yeah. So uh, my podcast is The Debated Podcast. Uh, every episode I speak to different people about um, different political things. So recent episodes have been on things like the um, environment and the right of way and votes at 16, changing the um, mm. electoral system, that kind of thing. As I say, variety of different topics that are covered, quite uh, a mix of guests from British MPs, people uh, involved in American politics, Australian politics, etc. Um, and if anyone is interested in that kind of thing, then please do check out um, the debated podcast. You can easily find it on Twitter. You can either find a link to it in my bio on Twitter uh, or search at debated podcast and you'll be able to find it or just Google debated podcast and you should be able to um, find it. And it's available on all good podcast hosting websites in the same way that the uh, the custard tv podcast you, is also Bill. available on all <laughs> all good podcasting all hosting sites. your podcast app of choice is what yeah. i always say have you got a recent episode that you're you're quite proud of or i mean i'm proud of all of them but i wouldn't i don't like to pick favorites no, no. i'm just saying uh, to point someone towards is there a particular yeah. uh well i mean as i say the most recent episode is on the right of way with uh maria fernandez garcia um who is a, an activist with the right to rome organization which is an organization set up to make uh, access to the countryside in england better for people because uh, at the moment uh, the majority of, of, of land in the uk it's very difficult to be able to to walk on it or have access to it because of land ownership uh, laws and rights and the latest episode is on that and discussing with her how she and her organization is trying to change the law and the pros and cons of it for for, for landowners and, and farmers etc and why some of them might obviously uh, oppose it and generally what the mental health benefits to getting out in the uh, countryside can be. So that's a, a good episode of the podcast, mm. the latest episode. Hope people uh, check it out if they haven't already. Sounds a bit different, a bit mm-hmm. off the beaten track, if you will. Very much off go. the beaten track. <laughs> Perfect See? segue. Yeah, and um, while we're doing plugs, um, over at thecustardtv.com, uh, you can read reviews of celebrity race across the world um also i know luke has written recently uh, about top boy uh, dawn has written about uh, minx and also um the long shadow as we discussed last week boiling point milo's got a review of that and justified city primeval uh, which is by nick we've also got uh, tons of news up there now uh, the podcast we've been doing this now for sort of about 11 12 years so 
We have got masses and masses of archives going back till then. Also wanted to point you specifically towards our retro podcast that we did recently. Uh, we'd love some feedback on that. Just let us know if you want us to do some more. We're probably going to do at least one more just to see if the format works. Coming up today, uh, we have got reviews of The Reckoning, which is the uh, BBC's uh, Jimmy Savile drama that is starring uh, Steve Coogan. We've got The Return of Lupin to uh, Netflix. Also on Netflix, we've got uh, teen drama Everything Now. And then over on ITVX, uh, their latest acquisition is Australian comedy Court. Uh, But first of all, uh, Will, what have you been watching? I don't want a whole list over the last year and a half, but any recent, okay, no, 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 <laughs> any no. recent highlights? Uh, so uh, recent highlights, uh, funnily enough, shows that have been on uh, the podcast. So Only Murders in the Building, a late season of that. I've been watching that. Enjoyed no that. spoilers. Uh, no spoilers, just saying that I enjoyed it. That's my... <laughs> that... I'm, I've just finished episode seven, which is the mm. one with Matthew Broderick, which I yeah. very much enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mel Brooks cameo as well, I thought was very good. Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, also, The Long Shadow, um, which was on the uh, podcast, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Been really enjoying that very powerful uh, piece of drama. And been re-watching on BritBox, because uh, I always have to bring up something that's like really <laughs> kind of like oh, <laughs> um, old in relation to me. Uh, the British Empire. I've been re-watching mm. the uh, first five series of The British Empire on BritBox and enjoying that. I sort of remember that the first time round. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of surreal in some points, yeah. isn't it? Very surreal, yeah. And the actress who played Car- Carol, the receptionist, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Carol. is now on EastEnders, and I keep thinking she's got some babies <laughs> stored away in the cabinet somewhere. <laughs> so um, I wonder how many people get that joke, but there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got it and you got it, so mm. hopefully is someone this- at home will. <laughs> It's not something that really gets repeated or so mm. it's it's one that you know, it's not held in like the higher echelon, is it, of like the BBC yeah. sitcom like, you know, Only Fools and Horses, Blackadder, Vicar of mm-hmm. Dibley, Royal Family, that sort of thing. But it I think at the time it was very po- a very popular yeah, show. Very so. big hit, yeah. Yeah. And and as we know, Will loves a bit of Brit Box, so Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, for me, as I said, Only Murders in the Building and also uh, Keeping Up with Celebrity Race Across the World. That is still very good. And also um, Strictly Come Dancing, unfortunately, you know, Les Dennis. We hardly knew the... (laughs) (laughs) He went down with the ship after dressing as a captain. But yeah, I think that is it for now. Oh, and uh, Gone Fishing as well, uh, which had... Uh, Lee Mack filling in uh, for Bob Mortimer uh, because he had shingles, uh, but Lee Mack being a vegan had to do some vegan fishing, uh, which included using magnets. So that's uh, something to catch up with. I think we've got the last episode of that tonight as we record on Sunday. But yeah, let's get on to uh, the reviews. And we start with, would you say long anticipated, Will, drama? Uh, Yes, no, I would. I think it's something certainly that Uh, A lot of people have been expecting for a while. It's certainly been discussed a lot um, in the press, all sorts of things related to it, whether it should be um, made at all, all those sorts of things. So there has been a lot of build up um, for for this drama to air. Yeah. And uh, just, I suppose, to set it up, if anyone isn't aware, this is the biopic biography series of 
the life of Jimmy Savile, uh, Steve Coogan starring in the lead role. Uh, we both watched the first episode, which aired um, on Monday night, and it was essentially, it was sort of like the early days of Jimmy Savile with um, a framing device woven in of a a journalist wanting to write his biography, basically, I, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. They, they were using this as a way to both sort of tell the story, but also... The, percept- the the sort of the two sides of of Jimmy Savile, the sort of eccentric showman, um, who sort of you know certainly he was like around in my youth. You know, everyone knew who Jimmy Savile was. You know, Jim mm. will fix it. I think was still on when I was a child. This darker side that we sort of knew was there, and obviously this journalist is wanting to try and expose this and try and get it out of him what's happened and especially like the private life and things like that which had never really been uncovered and Savile sort of gathers what he's there for and wants to unpick him a little bit as well this Mm -hmm. this journalist and as far as I understand well this was mainly a fabrication for the the sort of the plots to be driven and then we got the early years, really, of, of Jimmy Savile as a DJ in Manchester, uh, his relationship with his mum, played by Gemma Jones here, being hired to host Top of the Pops, and his crimes, basically, his his sexual attacks on young women. The drama itself was preceded by clips of um, his survivors talking about him mm-hmm. and also I think it was the very start wasn't it like footage from his funeral yeah. and how grand and that was I suppose first Will what what were your sort of general thoughts before we dive into it a little bit more as, as I said this is something that's obviously been discussed a great deal in, in in the build-up to it and I was really curious to see how it was handled particularly in comparison um to the the drama that's been on recently the Long Shadow, which again deals with similar themes, though of course deals with the um, the crimes of, of, of Peter Sutcliffe and the murders that he committed, uh, and this is, is focused on, on Savile and his crimes. It was interesting the way that they had prefixed it um, with, as you mentioned, the video clips of uh, p- people who had been abused by Savile. And from what I can gather, um, prior to it being released, the drama had been edited in some way because the BBC were concerned about the degree to which it focused on on the survivors. And, and I imagine that that was probably the element that was was added into it. I thought that its depiction of him as a kind of like almost like a in, in, in the way that it was depicted, a criminal character from the off. There was a sense very much of, of, of menace from early on. And I, and I think that this went throughout the entirety uh, of the drama and I think generally it was a it was an uncomfortable piece of work but I think it was a very well done one. Yeah I'd I'd agree with you there Will that there was that unsettling nature to it I think the music certainly sort of gave you that impression there were moments where I felt that may be a little bit heavy-handed I mean there was the scene the very start where he has a a guy who sort of tries to come in to his gig illegally roughed up and then when the police get involved they believe his side of the story and it was very 
prophetic you know the you've got the police in the back of your hands type thing and the stuff with his mum as well and his mum saying like how her son was evil and going mm. to confession and things like that and that felt stretching it a little bit for me mm-hmm. the scene where he has the interview for top of the pops as well with there's the female producer there who doesn't like him and and sort of can sense his darker side almost and again mm. that that may well have happened uh, but that again just felt like these people who were aware of him being a, a bit of a wrong and and mm you know, having the authorities on his side early on. What did you make to Steve Coogan's performance? Mm. I thought it was uh, a very good performance. I think it's interesting that given that he, um, he of course, used to do the impression of Savile, spitting image back in the 1980s. And it was interesting to see that in comparison to the performance that he gave here, which I think really, as I say, emphasised the kind of like the unsettling nature of him as a character really highlighted some of the more malevolent aspects of his character and the way that he was able to switch between the kind of more jokey, oh, you know, I'm a clown, everybody loves me, and that more predatory, um, manipulative side. I think Steve Coogan did that very well. It was an unusual performance as well, I think, because it just seemed so out of kind of like the things that you would imagine Steve Coogan doing and, and the sort of the roles that he would normally play. And I imagine that that was a, a deliberate decision on his part um, to, to go for something that was so unlike the, the previous stuff that he's done. But I thought that he, he he played the part very well. I struggled initially when you start with the Jimmy Savile that we all know in the tracksuit yeah. with the, you know, the dyed blonde hair and the cigar and that sort of thing. Steve Coogan, I wouldn't say, is as chameleon-like an actor as, say, Michael Sheen. Mm -hmm. You can sort of see him, the character in him. Obviously, he's played, like, northern comedy characters in the Mm -hmm. past, you know, like Paul Cuff, for example. And, you know, there, there was that element to it there. I think when he played him in the flashbacks, Mm -hmm. I think that worked better for me. Yeah. Because... You, you sort of had that sense of separation. I couldn't see Coogan as much as I could in those modern day scenes. And I think then going back to those scenes, it sort of lessened that thing. And over a time, I got used to the performance. Yeah, yeah. And I think he did a really fine job at this. Those sort of sinister undertones were there, but he had to basically show... Why, why everyone liked him, but mm-hmm. there, what that darkness was there. I do think the music may have been a little bit overused at times. I think one of the questions I had though is, did we need this drama? Is this? Do you mm. think this is this is something we needed? Why do you, Why do you think you know this has been commissioned now? Is it, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it is a very important question to ask as to whether it is needed because. I think that it's something that is difficult to approach because, as I say, if you think about something, compare it with The Long Shadow, where the focus very much was on Sutcliffe's victims and, and previous dramas about the Yorkshire Ripper hadn't really focused on the, the victims. More appropriate adult as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had not really kind of like focused on, on the victims in that way. 
I think you can make the argument for the long shadow being necessary in that regard. With this, I'm not sure if it was entirely necessary, simply because, as, as you say, it's something that pretty much everybody knows about. There have been lots of different documentaries um, about it, and I don't think it, it necessarily adds anything new to the kind of conversation about how Savile was able to um, get away with it or the failings of the, the police or, or the BBC or the NHS, etc., in, in, in allowing him to act in the way that he did. However, I do think that it is still an interesting piece of work. So although it might not have been something that people needed to see, in a way, I am still glad it was made because I think it is still a worthwhile piece of, of, of drama to have and, and a worthwhile subject to focus on and to expose the, the degree to which um, Savile was able to manipulate people, even if it's not something that was, you know, really, really necessary. You know, we didn't really need this drama to be made. No. But I think the, the drama I, as it stands is still a, a decent piece of work. I think maybe there's that feeling because there doesn't seem to be as much separation from this than that, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, like the Yorkshire Ripper and other drama, you know, appropriate adult, all these true crime dramas that we've had, Steel Town Murders, things like that. And obviously this is an iconic figure, I think, you know, as I said, that I grew up with. And Mm -hmm. it's something that everyone sort of thinks they know. And I was having this thought, and I watched this last night with my stepdad, and we were talking about the Louis Theroux documentary, Mm -hmm. and he'd actually not seen the follow-up that he'd done, you know, after Savile's death. And it did get me thinking that, you know, even though, as you say, there are these documentaries out there, how many people have actually seen them and sought them out? Whereas this, you know, it's a primetime drama, as we said, all the episodes are up on the iPlayer, uh, that it's going to... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pardon the word, but it's, I suppose, going to expose the tale to a lot more people mm-hmm. and get those voices out there, get these people seen, which I think is is good having those faces at the beginning and at the end of the first episode and yep. seeing them as youngsters at the time they would have met Savile. Obviously, we haven't got to all of that yet in the drama, as I said, I think it was maybe a little bit heavy-handed in places, but I think that the central performance from Coogan and actually Gemma Jones as well mm. as his mum, I thought. Yeah. I, I mean, I like her when she pops up in anything and sort of his relationship with her and, you know, him saying she was the only woman in his life, the only mm. woman he loved. And yeah. again, almost like using her as, as a smokescreen, really. So, mm. but yeah, I do think it's important for 
that story to be told and using the testimonies of the victims and allowing them to sort of speak about how they feel in a an arena that will be seen by the most people mm. uh yeah. more than you know as we said the things the documentaries that they have previously appeared on and uh, you know having like a big name like a Steve Coogan attached to this it's certainly I think going to get that curiosity of a lot of people tuning in to see sort of how it starts and how it's portrayed and yeah I I, I think there almost feels like I am going to watch the rest just to see how mm. the portrayal is goes on almost yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that is the reckoning as we said that is all there on the iPlayer now of Lupin. Now, Will, what's your history with this show? Did you watch it at the time when it was on or the first? Um, so I've caught up with it um, relatively recently. And to be honest, I didn't actually know that um, part three was coming out until you told me that this is what we were going to be <laughs> watching on the podcast. It's a show that I really enjoy. I think it's an interesting kind of like take on the thief, kind of like almost like Robin Hood kind of scenario in terms of television reminds me very much of um, something like raffles or the saint but obviously in a much more modern setting and yeah to be able to watch um the first part of series three really um enjoyed that only watched the first episode so Mm. far i think it really reintroduces the character well in the first episode and kind of like sets up the new status for him as very much Mm. Like this, like he's he's like a, a an urban legend now, um, in France, an outlaw, like a, an outlaw that people are like cheering as he as he's stealing stuff, uh, mm. which is, which is always fun to watch. So I mean, you mentioned Raffles and the sort of the Lupin legend. The books mm-hmm. are very much like the French version, really, aren't they? The Gentleman yeah, yeah. Thief. So that that's sort of where we are. And as um, Will mentioned, um, we have Hassan uh, as we start. Where we last left him, he had absconded. He's been hiding in Marseille. Uh, the police are still hunt, uh, attempting to hunt him down. As Will said, you know, now he's this mythical figure, a Robin Hood type. The police are still looking for him and uh, the media are still hounding uh, ex-partner Claire and his son Raoul. And this is the motivation uh, for Hassan to return to Paris. He turns up at uh, Claire's work and says let's skip the country me you and Raoul uh but she says no you need to hand yourself in and when he sort of declines she calls him a coward his plan then is to uh steal a a black pearl from a luxury boutique we got an early flashback scene where we see that he previously uh tried to steal this pearl this is almost like his the one that got away almost the the one con that he uh, couldn't do so he delivers a letter to this boutique stating his intention to steal the pearl he also uh, leaks this letter uh, to a newspaper the objector as well as to uh, tv news stations leading to mass sort of hysteria crowds gathering outside this boutique uh, the police coming in to try and secure it uh, I love the stuff with all the the Lupin masks that people were wearing. Despite the precautions the police and boutique staff put in place, Hassan is one step ahead of the game uh, once again. Uh, so this first episode, Will, what did you make to it? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was a really exciting opening um, to the series, as I said, re-establishing the character, building upon what has gone before with him in terms of like building up his um, kind of like legend, as you say, the scene um, with them all um, wearing a sound face outside with the masks on. I thought that was really well done. And I think it's something that you can kind of like really imagine happening now. I mean, I know I mentioned like Raffles and um, the same earlier, but those are obviously much more kind of like almost period set pieces. Mm. I know there was an attempt to remake the same uh, a few years ago in like a TV movie format in a similar modern mm. setting, but that didn't really go anywhere. Um, but this does feel like a real um, imaginative updating of um, the text and a really creative new direction um, to go in with it. Um, as I say, building on the, on the previous series, I thought that the use of the flashback gave a really strong motivator for him that this is like as you say the one that got away this is something that he wants to um achieve in order to enhance his 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 legend and, and prove that you know even though he had to uh, make a bit of a quick getaway at the end of the uh, previous season he's not cowed in any way um he's still the greatest thief uh, out there i just thought it was a generally um fantastic episode and i think Omar says performance uh, as Lupin is just fantastic. He really inhabits that character mm. totally. He manages to play this character in a way that is this mixture between suave and he doesn't feel um, necessarily threatening to us as an audience, but you can see why he would be threatening to uh, the French authorities and, and, and the mm. French um, establishment. And it's, it, it, it did really remind me, as I say, um, of the same, in particular, Roger Moore's portrayal of that character in being able to have almost like a kind of like a subversive sense to the character without it feeling in any way that it was illegal, even though what he was doing was clearly mm. illegal, if you see what I mean. Yeah, but he's almost like sort of playing with it, isn't he? He's trying to outdo the authorities, which I think is what makes him this mythical figure now yeah. and calling him like Robin Hood and they're saying, well, Robin Hood gave back and... <laughs> You know, I, I love that. And I thought that he would try and use the masks at some point. That was one thing I thought maybe mm-hmm. like in the Thomas Crown affair yeah, with yeah, all yeah, the yeah. men carrying the briefcases, that's where I thought it was going. But not to spoil much, but they did something different there. I thought that it was a bit quick getting back to Paris, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. they've been hounding your family <laughs> for the past year. You make the decision at this point. I suppose was the thing he thought it would die down it's never going to die down I'll come back and try and subvert the attention from people I agree with you completely Omar Sy brilliant in this role interesting that uh, you mentioned the long shadow same writer George Kay as well Mm -hmm. isn't it did you watch Hijack early in the year uh no I don't think I did no the the plane yeah the plane can uh, plane hijack thing with Idris uh, <laughs> Elba and like a ton of British character actors um and that was George Kay with Jim Field Smith who they've worked with previously and that was similar to this sort of dark humor you know a lot of excitement I think George Kay's writing I think he knows when to sort of peak it's really well paced this you know you know when to sort of put the emotional moments in and I think you feel for Hassan as well because we get those flashbacks to him as a child as well Mm. and the the young actor who plays the younger version I think really helps you sort of get that sympathy for him 
those sort of final scenes, I was so gripped. I don't know if you mm. felt the same. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just like want to know what's going to happen next, which is the best thing about an episode yeah. of TV show, really. And um, and it it just it grabbed me early on. Those set pieces are brilliantly done. The supporting characters, I love the cop who sort of as admires him and is the only other the only other person who seems to read in this series. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It made a lot of sense that he's this now big mystical figure and I'm really excited to see what happens next. I can see a lot of people have watched it thoroughly already mm-hmm. and, and enjoyed it. And it's just, it's a fun series at the end yeah. of the day, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a fun watch like hijack was really you don't have to concentrate too hard but it does sort of reward you as well it has got those emotional moments and i think it was all grounded in the fact that he was trying to clear his dad's name and then you know he was trying to have that same relationship with his son and i think that's part of the reason for him coming back in a way is that he doesn't want to be away from his son's life like his dad was i i loved it and you can never second guess it and yeah, brilliant. Uh, we'll we'll be watching more uh, probably after I finish Only Murders in the Building. That'll be my next uh, one to go back to. Also on Netflix, uh, we have uh, Everything Now. This is a, I would say, teen drama. It sort of explicit mm-hmm. itself as a comedy drama. Uh, but spoiler alert, I don't find any laughs in this. I don't know if you do well. We've got uh, Sophia Wilde, who was most recently seen in ITV's adaptation of Tom Jones. Here she plays uh, Mia. We find her in the first episode being discharged uh, from a treatment uh, facility where she spent, was it eight months or nine months? I, I thought it was seven months. Seven. So. <laughs> o- over half a year, let's yeah. say, under supervision uh, for anorexia. Uh, she is discharged by Stephen Fry in a, <laughs> a bizarre like, cameo. And she goes back to sixth form college, reconnecting uh, with her three best friends, Cameron, Becca and Will. Quickly learns that a lot has changed while she's been away. All of her friends have had sex. They're smoking weed. So she feels uh, really left behind. She finds out that there's a party being thrown uh, by an old childhood friend, Theo. Uh, She sort of books up confidence to ask if she can go and has sort of an embarrassing moment on the way back. She then makes up a list of everything she wants to experience, what she feels like she's missed out on uh, while she's been away. Uh, But after drinking and taking drugs, Mia soon learns the perils of trying to do, as the title suggests, everything now. There you go. Very clever. <laughs> I do try. Will, as a, as a young, significantly younger than me, I, th- I think this is sort of put at your demographic, even though we've sort of established that you, you, your tastes are a, a little bit older than, than maybe some of your yeah, age yeah. bracket. So uh, what did you think? I mean, to be honest, you say that, but I did feel it was kind of like more a TV show that would be aimed at someone actually younger than me yeah. to, be, to be quite honest because the kind of like the teen drama genre is not something that has ever especially mm. um compelled me and now like quite a, a a few years after being a teenager it's certainly not something that um I generally uh, like to go back to I think that the positives in this first episode were it 
was highlighting in anorexia, I think, an issue that obviously affects a lot of young people. And it's important, you know, to to to, to discuss in drama and, and, and to show what I didn't think was necessarily entirely convincing was how after, as you say, um, when she'd been discharged, it kind of just felt very much like a generic team drama that could have been about anything, that she could have experienced any kind of like um, issue that may have made her feel different. And it just felt to me like very much the same of the same of the same with this sort of genre that we've seen before, the same sort of things that you'd get in similar teen dramas like, well, maybe not exactly quite because that ended up being a, a lot more um, bonkers, but say something like Riverdale or, mm. you know, something like um, Mean Girls. I'm desperately trying to think <laughs> of teen dramas at the back of my head. But like, in, if, you, if you see what I mean, that kind of mm. like, um, genre. Like a um, British version of those sort of American yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dramas. No, I get what you're saying. I was just watching it thinking... I can't really see what the appeal is. It, it mm. quite feels very much like, oh, right, um, she wants to take some drugs and have some sex. And that's great, but that's not really necessarily very compelling to me. Oh, and it's like, not gone well. Yeah, oh, it's not <laughs> gone well. Oh, what a shot. I've seen this a lot before in either clip form or trailers. Yeah. And it's no Britass Empire. Yeah, it's no Britass Empire. <laughs> I mean, you say about teen dramas, but I really enjoyed Heartstopper recently. If you care about the characters, if they feel real to you, then I think it doesn't matter maybe what the demographic is. As well as Heartstopper, the other drama it reminded me of was My Mad Fat Diary. I don't know if you ever saw that with Sharon Rooney um, and uh, sort of pre-fame, in a way, Jodie Comer. And that was young teenager getting discharged from a secure unit uh finding a new set of friends and there was even an episode where she drew up a list of you know getting kissed having sex and all of that so it almost apes that but I looked and that was sort of over 10 years old now so it's sort of in a way this is something new that was also set in the 90s which obviously appealed to me being my era I think for this, the best parts of it are the focus is on the eating disorder, the bits, I yeah. think, that are unique to it. The scene when she first comes back from hospital and they have like a family party that she didn't want and her nan tries to force her to eat some mm. cake yeah, yeah, yeah. and she almost has a panic attack. And then there's a scene later on where she's in the lunchroom at school and it slow-mos down and focuses on the food and then she gets this preordained what she's going to eat meal of a jacket potato and baked beans uh, but it does feel sort of like very sort of sloppily drawn together and I did do some digging and um, it's actually written by Ripley Parker who is the daughter of uh, Tandewi Newton and oh. uh, old Parker <laughs> Um, and her sister is Nico Parker, who was in uh, The Last of Us very briefly, mm-hmm. um, the first episode. And also uh, The Third Day, I don't know if you remember that, with Jude yeah. Law and Naomi Harris a couple of years ago. Ripley Parker was only 22 years old, so actually younger. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 23. Uh, but very much, it does feel like a first script, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know if maybe she would have had that leeway had her parents maybe not been who they are. I hate to use the phrase Nepo baby, but, you know, I found all the friends very thinly drawn characters, very sort of stereotypes. The one who who sort of was awkward about seeing her in, in the secure unit and there was bits and bobs between them, like tension, brassy girl best friend. Mm. And then you've got the token gay one as well. Yeah. And then you've got like the mean girl at school, the guy who used to bully them, but now her friends buy weed off. You know, it's all and like the dad who's quite attentive and the mum who's never there and not really paying her much attention. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of the reason, you know, of her anorexia and everything like that. And there was no time really that apart from the scenes that I've already mentioned that I felt like I was invested in this world and that these you know you could believe these relationships i thought sophia wilde actually was very good as an anchor but um far too old really to be playing a teenager i mean she's 26 you know they've given her like short hair right (laughs) make her look a bit younger and and like dressed her in in mainly jumpers you know sometimes you can get away with casting older actors in younger roles like you know Derry Girls for example I think is good you know all those actresses were a lot older but their performances I think made you believe as much as sort of how they looked but I just felt everyone looked older than they shouldn't be at school anymore also I always find voiceover a little bit of a of a cheat as well you can just introduce the characters via your protagonist telling you all about them telling you their traits everything you need to know without actually trying to do any work in you the audience sort of learning about them organically in a way and I think again that very sort of screenwriter 101 in a way and it just I think it reminded me of other things that were better and I just found it a bit basic really. I've seen some reviews which have been bigging this up and mentioning how it's a good sort of depiction of eating disorders and I would agree with that I think Mm. as I said that bit is the bit that works but I think you've hidden it around all this stuff as we both said that's quite generic stuff we've seen before and I don't know maybe that's you know the Netflix side of it Mm. all that people have jumped on the script and things have have gone away from what it originally looked like that happens from time to time especially if you're not an established writer so it could be that the elements that we don't like have been added because that core I think works really well but yeah I think there's too much that I didn't like to make me want to watch this in the same way that Heartstopper appealed or My Mad Fat Diary did but I think there is an audience there Younger than Will, definitely younger than me. (laughs) But yeah, that's all up there on Netflix now. Will, do you want to uh, just go run through where people can find you? X, Twitter, whatever it's called today. (laughs) Yep, yep. I'm still on the... I'm still on X. It seems very weird saying that. It just goes to show how things have changed. I still on Twitter. I think I've seen, like, in articles now, people often say X, formerly Twitter. (laughs) Which feels very Prince, doesn't yeah. it? 
Uh, if you want to find me on uh, on Twitter, uh, you can find me at WBarberTaylor. And uh, if you want to find the Debated Podcast, um, I've already mentioned it, but it's at Debated Podcast. And if you just search it on Google, you'll probably find it as well. And hopefully if, if politics and all things associated with it are the kind of things you're interested in and, and want to check out, then um, please do have a listen and have a follow. Always happy for anyone to anyone to listen and anyone to, <laughs> to get in touch as well about the podcast. It's the most highbrow, I think, podcast of anyone who we have on here, you know. <laughs> As I said, thecustardtv.com, where we have got um, news and uh, reviews. We've got our coming soon, which is being updated all the time. And the podcast you can listen to on your favourite podcast app of choice. Please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, You can follow uh, the site is at Luke Custard TV. I'm at Matt's TV Bytes. Podcast at Custard TV Pod. Uh, we are on Instagram. Uh, it's the Custard TV. Have you made the move to Threads yet? I'm, I'm... I have. I have made the move to Threads, <laughs> and it seems very inactive. So you say that I I keep getting a someone else has joined Threads. All your friends are using Threads now, and I know one of our contributors recently sent me a message saying that they were leaving Twitter behind. <laughs> so. I don't know if it's the exodus. I think it's going to be one of those things where people keep saying, oh, I'm going to move, I'm going to move. But, you know, it, it keeps getting, it's not getting better anytime yeah. soon, is it? We're also on uh, Facebook. That's still there. Um, and you can email us, custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Next time on the podcast, it is the long-awaited return of Frasier. Have you seen the trailer, Will? I have seen the trailer, yeah. Nicholas Lindhurst. Indeed. I mean, unexpected, but I'm sure he'll be great. In the Niles role, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And his, and his son is now in the in the Martin role. Yeah. That seems to be the, the dynamic. We'll be talking about that as well as Apple TV Plus's uh, lessons in chemistry. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.